I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Getting you ready for college and pro football. This is the Football Betting Guy with Jonathan Von Tobel. What's up, folks? Welcome into another edition of the Football Betting Guide. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. Get to guide you through the next two hours here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, and a fantastic show on tap today. Got a lot of smart people who are going to join us. Kind of a little bit later in this hour, we'll call it 30 minutes from now, Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports will be with us. Uh, Schwab has, of course, been writing up some offseason previews and looking ahead to 2022 for every single one of these teams. The most recent article was about the Lions, so we'll use that to dovetail nicely into the NFC North, what he thinks about some of the teams coming out and the team that I am relatively high on. When it comes to the NFC North, that would be the Minnesota Vikings. William Hill will be with us in the second hour for a couple of spots, and we're going to discuss everything football and everything he's got for us when it comes to futures in both the NFL and college. I'll give you a little bit of a hint. One of them is the AFC South, and it's not the Colts, he believes, who will win that division, and it's not the Titans either. And then... 4.30 p.m., we're going to be joined by uh, our next guest, Chris Sinchone, who's going to be with us, Monumental Sports Network. We're going to have a lot to discuss with Chris. Now, we have a lot to get to at the start of the show, uh, but wanted to open up with a little bit of breaking news, and it ties into what we're going to talk about a little bit later in the program. That would be the AFC North. But Josina Anderson uh, has reported, and I'll just read it to all of you here, uh, that I'm, not me, Josina Anderson, I'm told relevant parties have already been notified that Sue Robinson is currently expected to inform them of the decision in the Deshaun Watson proceeding by some time Monday per league sources. So it does seem that we're going to get a little bit of a resolution here on Deshaun Watson in that we all know how long the suspension is going to be. The league, as we have been known to, uh, or excuse me, they've been known to want, they've been wanting for an indefinite suspension, much like Calvin Ridley, with the opportunity for reinstatement at the end of the year. We know that the Players Association has been pushing for less than that. The number that's been thrown out there has been six games, so we'll see exactly what's going to be the case. But Deshaun Watson, of course, uh, the other day, making his Cleveland Browns debut in front of fans. They opened up training camp to fans the other day, signing jerseys and whatnot, uh, but we will finally get an addition or an end, I should say, a resolution to what's going to happen here with Deshaun Watson and the suspension and how long he will be absent. And one of the mysteries from the betting perspective will be solved, which is the weird team that is the Cleveland Browns. If you look at them from a roster standpoint, one of the better rosters in the NFL, but with such an unknown in terms of when their quarterback is going to come back, if he will be available this year, who will be their guy as they start the year? I think we kind of understand that Jacoby Brissett is going to be the starter week one, but for how long he's going to be their guy is going to be something to behold. But regardless, we'll get to more about the AFC North a little bit later in the show. I wanted to open up with some training camp, um, some training camp headlines, but first, it is a big week in the NFL because... Football returns this week, Thursday. We get the Hall of Fame game. The Las Vegas Raiders will take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll be in Canton, and uh, can't really wait to see it because once that game kicks off, we will have football all the way through February. It is officially back 
on Thursday. Raiders open up one and a half point favorite, total of about 32 and a half. We've been sitting there pretty much this entire time for this matchup between them and Jacksonville. And I like handicapping preseason games. It's a little bit more uh, nuanced. Well, it, all these games are nuanced when it comes to handicapping them. But the way you approach handicapping preseason, obviously much different than the way that you approach handicapping regular season contests. And generally, I think you really start with quarterback depth charts. When it comes to the preseason, information is key. That's the first thing you want, right? You want playing time. You want how coaches are going to approach it. You want rotations if you can. You want as much information as possible so then you can approach this from that standpoint. And we're getting little bits of information from Las Vegas uh, due to just because they've been training camp the longest out of all these teams. They got to open up early. But Jags did not decide to do that. They actually just strapped on pads. I think it was actually, you know, it's today, Sunday. So it was yesterday. Uh, they put on pads for the first time the Jacksonville Jaguars did. But information is key. Then you get to quarterback depth charts, right? Because when you look at the depth, you want to know, okay, who's the guy who's going to be taking these ugly snaps by the time we get to the fourth quarter? And when you evaluate Jacksonville and Las Vegas from a depth chart standpoint, I think you kind of understand that, okay, I think the market under like favors Las Vegas for multiple reasons, but the other is the fact that they seem to, on paper, have the better quarterback depth chart. We're getting a little little bits of like information out of Vegas that Derek Carr might not play in this game. Uh, it seems that they're going to be ready to just like let him work out, shower, and then get ready to go and watch from the sidelines, which would mean Jared Stidham, who by all accounts had been winning the backup quarterback battle thus far into camp, would be the guy to start the game here for the Las Vegas Raiders and Josh McDaniels. After him, Nick Mullins, and then the rookie Chase Garbers rounds out the Raiders quarterback depth chart. As for Jacksonville, haven't really gotten a clue as to what Trevor Lawrence's role is going to be in the Hall of Fame game. Again, when you're talking about these extra preseason games, more often than not, Guys like Trevor Lawrence, starters, aren't going to play that long, so you would think that Trevor Lawrence, if he's going to be out there, it's going to be a series. He's going to hand it off three times. He's going to get out. But Trevor Lawrence, C.J. Beathard, who he's been dealing with a little bit of an injury, I will remind you as we head into preseason, the best graded passer by PFF standards in the preseason last year was C.J. Beathard. He was actually really good in preseason contests, and that is something to circle as we kind of move forward because the Jags, I think, have a really intriguing quarterback depth chart when it comes to preseason football. After him, you have Jake Luton and then, of course, Kyle Slaughter. And Slaughter, if you remember, had an incredible preseason game. I think it was like two years ago uh, where he was dropping dimes, multiple touchdown passes, looked every part like a really good preseason starter. So I'm actually intrigued by Jacksonville here. I want to see what the rotation is going to be like, though. If we're not getting that much Beathard and it's going to be a game that's just going to be Jake Luton and Kyle Slaughter, I might not be too interested in what Jacksonville has to offer. But market clearly on the side of Las Vegas. South Point, right where our other studio is, they opened up two for the Hall of Fame game, and that's where they currently sit. But again, one and a half, the predominant number here, with a total of 32 and a half. Other little bits of information that have been coming out of Las Vegas, too, by the way. One, um, maybe, just maybe, because remember, Las Vegas pretty much has four open spots on their offensive line in terms of competition. The only thing that's been decided, obviously Colton Miller at left tackle, is going to be the guy. But they are deciding these positions at all the other four positions, which means that you actually might see these starters out there for a little bit longer or maybe a series or two. And it's not just for this game, but for the rest of these games going forward until they decide what their offensive line rotation is going to be. So keep an eye on that because offensive line play is the other big key in preseason contests, right? Your offensive line is absolutely awful. You want more mobile quarterbacks. That also helps. Uh, but offensive line play get, tends to get really bad as the games get deep, and you want quarterbacks who are going to be able to deal with that. And uh, when you look at the quarterback depth chart for Las Vegas, you got a couple of guys who might be able to handle that, but still something to watch as you look for Las Vegas into this game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. By the way, other reports, Alex Leatherwood, first-round pick from the year ago, running with the threes last time out for the Raiders. So not great for Alex Leatherwood. All right, so let's get to some uh, training camp headlines. 
as training camp, of course, open all across the National Football League with the preseason starting this Thursday. wanted to start with the Los Angeles Rams because I thought this was interesting, and it speaks to a larger point that I had about L.A. as we came into the year, right? Because everybody was very much like, hey, man, where's, where's the salary cap? This is ridiculous. How does this team keep adding? And my argument has been, well, they're able to add. It creates a very top-heavy roster. And if people start to miss time due to injury, go missing, whatever, uh, then you're going to start to, I think, feel the effects of being, you know, shelling out a lot of money for a lot of the guys at the top of your roster and your depth chart. So we get the report that Van Jefferson was missing at practice for the Rams on Saturday for an unknown reason. Jefferson did have offseason knee surgery, did not seem that his absence was related to the procedure, if you read some of the reports. And then you get Sean McVay's quote afterwards, says, quote, we're figuring that out right now, being his presence. Working that through, I'll have more information for you later. Like I said, I don't have anything right now. So it's been kind of weird what's going on here with Van Jefferson. And when you look at the depth behind Jefferson, this is where you start to wonder, like, okay, like if we're missing time, again, it's July 31st. So plenty of time for this to work itself out as we head into the year. But this is one of those things with the Rams that I think you always want to keep an eye on because some of these positions that are a little top-heavy – once you start to get into the depth, it really falls off. Because the depth chart behind Jefferson, we're talking about Tutu Atwell, uh, Jacob Harris, Brandon Powell, uh, Skorarnik, I think is Brandon. That's how you pronounce his last name. I'll guess on that one. I forgot to look that up. I apologize. I'm unprofessional. I'll have that for you, though. Uh, regardless, this is the questionable depth that the Rams have when you're talking about some of these positions. And if Jefferson is unable to or misses some time, that is, I think, going to be somewhat concerning for the Los Angeles Rams. But, again, July 31st, don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill. Now, when we talk about injuries... The 49ers, one of their deepest positions is defensive line. Well, they are taking multiple hits there, and it does seem that most of these are going to resolve themselves by the time we get to the regular season, and it's good that they have a lot of defensive line depth, but still cluster injuries at a position are never very good, and the 49ers suffered another one the other day. Maurice Hurst set to miss the rest of the season uh, because of a torn bicep. So remember, the 49ers, for those you don't know, already have Arik Armstead dealing with a sprained knee that is going to cause him to miss a few weeks. Hassan Ridgeway is going to miss a couple of weeks as well with what they're calling a quad strain. And Javon Kinlaw, coming into his third year, is coming off of a torn ACL. So there's a lot of hits here for the 49ers when it comes to their defensive line depth. That's going to be a little bit of an issue as you head more into the preseason. Again, it does seem when you talk about a few weeks for both Ridgeway and Armstead and Javon Kinlaw coming off of a torn ACL, that's more of about a production thing than anything else. But a strength for the 49ers is uh, on something nice, but does sound like we're going to be just fine as you get into the later weeks in the preseason and training camp. But something to keep an eye on for them as we move forward here. Now, the next story, I think this is pretty interesting. I should add, too, by the way, the San Francisco 49ers, uh, they did go sign Robert Kandice and Tomasi Laluli. So they're going to fill holes on the roster. Just again, when we're talking about cluster injuries, 49ers are dealing with it at this point right now along the defensive line. And then we get this coming out of the Chicago Bears camp, and this is pretty interesting. The Tevin Jenkins, uh, their second-year offensive lineman, and we're going to hear more from Chicago. Well, Brian, Brandon, we'll save that video for the other side because I know we're kind of up against it. Um, but when you – Tevin Jenkins, second-round pick, I think it's out of Oklahoma State from a year ago, all of a sudden – it seems that he is at odds with the coaching staff and his offensive line coach. Interesting because it's a new regime for Chicago this year, so already off to a little bit of a rough start. But this matters for multiple reasons. One, you read reports by all accounts. Jenkins is a guy that they think highly of in terms of his talent. And the other is he's playing at a position that the Bears need to be much better this year in terms of their offensive line. Justin Fields, 42.8% of his dropbacks he was pressured on last year, and he was not good against pressure. 
Talk about two touchdowns, five interceptions, 5.3 yards per attempt, 11 turnover-worthy plays, and a turnover-worthy play rate of 6.9%, or translated to committed a turnover-worthy play on 6.9% of his dropbacks while under pressure. And this unit doesn't really look that better on paper. So we're going to hear what's going on because it does seem David Kaplan, ESPN 1000 out in Chicago, did have a report on this the other day, and it does sound like this is not an injury for Tevin Jenkins, but that this is more about something um, butting heads when it comes to the staff and what's happening with him. So we'll see if this is going to be the case because this is multiple practices now that Jenkins has missed for the Chicago Bears. So we'll get to that on the other side. We'll also continue to roll through some of our conference previews today. Let's talk a little bit about the Pac-12 when we come back. USC, the favorite to win the Pac-12. I think a lot of people would argue maybe a little overvalued, especially when you got a team in Utah that looks primed for a potential college football playoff berth. We'll discuss that and much more here on the Football Betting Guides. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The football betting guy with Jonathan Bontobel. Welcome back in, football betting guy here on VCN the Sports Betting Network, live from Circa out here downtown Las Vegas. I uh, wanted to clean up something when we're talking about the training camp headlines in the National Football League before we get to our analysis on the Pac-12 because of the Bears. Their offseason seems to be off to a little bit of a shaky start. We won't call it something to you know, ring the alarm about, but. Uh, the one positive that we have seen out of Chicago is we're not playing any games. We do know that Justin Fields is going to be the starter this year. Don't think anybody was really surprised by that, but it is good to kind of get that out of the way when it comes to the Bears. But their offensive line, which was a massive weakness a season ago, really needs to get better because Justin Fields, I think it was hard to evaluate how good Justin Fields was a season ago because it was so poor, the offensive line play in front of him. Again, to reiterate, nearly 43% of his dropbacks last season, he was under pressure or deemed under pressure. That is absolutely abhorrent, especially for a young quarterback. And Fields has the mobility uh, to kind of negate that, but it doesn't really matter. Well, you can't run your offense if your quarterback can't drop back nearly half the time without getting pressured. So with that, the story coming out of Chicago is their second-year offense live in Tevin Jenkins uh, is kind of at odds with the coaching staff. We'll let David Kaplan uh, take this away from here, ESPN 1000 out in Chicago, giving what is clearly, I would say, uh, the coach's perspective of things. Tevin Jenkins missed his third consecutive practice today. And from what I'm hearing, it is not a serious injury. 
What I'm hearing is there is a high level of disconnect between Tevin and the new coaching staff, especially Chris Morgan, the new offensive line coach. That means you have a highly immature player who's got a lot of talent. As one person who would know close to the team said to me, he's their most talented lineman, but I'm also hearing he's wildly immature. And so this is on Tevin Jenkins to grow the hell up. But the Bears, how many people do you have in your front office uh, that work on culture and work on player relations? You also have to figure this out because if this kid has that much ability, you better get it unlocked because your offensive line right now certainly isn't a strength of this football team. So everything clearly you can tell where he's getting his information from. It's somebody with the football team uh, and somebody on the staff with the immaturity remarks. Regardless, this is a little bit of a problem for him. Again, if this is supposed to be a guy that you're going to build your offensive line with, you need him out there given the fact that Fields has been a little bit of a problem. And we're going to talk with Frank Schwab about this in a few minutes. Uh, but one of the things I was going to pose to him as we kind of go around the NFC North, which is uh, how bad Chicago could potentially be. We're talking about a win, and a, half, a win total of six and a half for the Chicago Bears. I think a somewhat challenging schedule for them that opens up at home against the San Francisco 49ers. Although, having said that, I'm very tempted by Chicago in week one, but that's a conversation for maybe a little bit down the road. Uh, regardless, Chicago is in an interesting spot because I do think that the, a the NFC North, we know about what the Green Bay Packers are. We know, I think at least, what the Minnesota Vikings are tend to look like and what they could be this year. And I think the Detroit Lions are actually very much improved to the point where, and you can see from a win total perspective, uh, that they are in somewhat even footing with the Chicago Bears. So this is um, this is definitely, there definitely a path here for Chicago to finish last in the division, sub six and a half wins. And we're talking about competing for you know the top pick in the um, National Football League draft coming up next year. So we keep an eye on the offensive line drama around Tevin Jenkins and the Chicago Bears as we head through training camp. So let's talk a little bit about Pac-12 uh, because, man, football really is in the year. I was just talking about this off the air. I got to go to uh, UNLV's first camp out here in Las Vegas the other day. It was Saturday. So we get these camps starting up. Of course, football right around the corner. We are less than a month away from week zero in college football, too. Uh, Rebels out here are going to participate in week zero, so that's why they got camp started so early. Uh, but football is back, man. It's exciting. So let's talk a little bit about the Pac-12 because it is an interesting conference. Outside of the fact uh, that all the off-field stuff, right, USC and UCLA deciding to dip, all the conference realignment deals, uh, we do have the team at the top in USC, at least from an odds perspective, that seems pretty fascinating. Lincoln Riley comes over. He has got a, a big, big, Big transfer pool win in terms of bringing Caleb Williams with them, Jordan Addison. It does look like this offense has all the pieces uh, to kind of hit the ground running under Riley. And it's a brand. So you can understand why USC is at the top of the Pac-12 here at plus 220 to win this deal. This is courtesy of DraftKings. But I think, and I'm not alone in thinking this in any way, shape, or form, that when you have something like this, this phenomena where the team that is the recognizable brand is on top, Mainly because, and there's reasons why, but one of the big reasons why is because it's that brand. It's USC. I think that there is value to be had elsewhere, namely with the second team. Uh, Utah, the Utes have a lot coming back here this year, and they, I think, if the path breaks correctly for them this season, definitely have a path to a potential college football playoff berth. Now, it starts really early for them. Uh, the Utes will have to open up against Florida, and that's a road game, and that's going to be very intriguing. That's coming up on September 3rd, so we're just over a month away from that. But after that, 
this does break down nicely for Utah when you're talking about coming out of that Florida game to take on Southern Utah. You have a home game against the San Diego State team that I believe is going to be somewhat down this year, specifically on offense. And your defense, Utah, they're going to be able to contain the Aztecs on that side of the ball. It's just about what they're going to be able to do against what's going to be one of the best, if not the best, defenses in the Mountain West Conference in the Aztecs. But after that, a road game against an Arizona State team that brings about six or seven guys back from a year ago, loses their quarterback, uh, our Oregon State as well. You get to play host to an Oregon State team that's kind of middling at this point right now. They do have some returning personnel. It sets up really nicely. The question is, when you get to those back-to-back spots, you get to go on the road against UCLA, a team that, again, has a lot of roster turnover, but DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, is back, and it does look like a schedule that's manageable for the Bruins. They could have a really good record by the time you face them, and you do get to play host to USC. But outside of this, this is a schedule that conforms really nicely for Utah, which if they take care of their business, and we're talking about a home game against the conference favorite at this point right now, the toughest other spot is going to be November 19th when they go to the road uh, on the road to take on the Oregon Ducks. I really like what this Utah team brings to the table. Now, when you're talking about the win total and betting that over, uh, I would find, uh, for me, it's more about betting them to win the conference than betting them over the win total. As I said, you could see a path toward making it to a college football playoff. If, let's say, you make it through your schedule and your only loss is at Florida and you end up winning the Pac-12 with a, you know, one loss, then that's a path to a conference title. However, when you're talking about winning, you know, going over your win total, for me, the value is more betting them to win the conference as opposed to going over the win total, mainly because I do think that they are the best team in this conference and thus not priced correctly behind USC. And that's not to take away from USC. Look, we talked about how good they're going to be offensively. My questions are all about how they're going to perform on defense. When you bring in a lot of transfers to kind of rebuild multiple positions, and there's some pretty good transfers in there, specifically in the linebacking core, you just do wonder how good you're going to be on that end and if you're consistently having to get in shootouts and win some of these games, it's going to be a little bit of a problem. D.C. comes over from Oklahoma as well to follow Lincoln Riley. There were some years like last year, I think I talked to Adam Burke about this during the year, um, that they were, for example, really good against the run last year, Oklahoma. But we've seen some lackluster units behind them, and when you're kind of patching it together on the fly, you can get away with that on offense because you got a, like immense, immensely talented guys on offense uh, in the transfer pool, not so much here. So I do wonder when you look at USC if we're going to see a team that is going to fail to win as many games as the market teams they are going to, mainly because it's going to be hard to them to stop some teams. But regardless, outside of these two teams, because Utah and USC always take it, I'm really interested in UCLA mainly because – I'm like I'm curious what UCLA is going to do when it comes to their schedule. As I mentioned, there's not really a lot there for UCLA in terms of returning production. Uh, offensively, there are some pieces around DTR, but outside of that, they're rebuilding on both ends, at least when it comes to returning starters. A lot of talent here, but there's not a lot of guys who started games for them a season ago. But why they're interesting is their schedule is really nice for UCLA. We're talking about opening the year, Bowling Green, Alabama State, South Alabama, and at Colorado, arguably the worst team in the Pac-12. Where You could start off 4-0 before playing host to Washington. First year under Kalen DeBoer, brings in Michael Penix at quarterback, the Huskies do, but you get to play host to them, which is going to be probably around a coin flip spot, but still a perfectly manageable game before you play host to, um, well, probably at that point, right, the hardest contest you're going to get, which is Utah. Now, those consecutive games, you're talking about Utah, bye week, then Oregon, it's a really tough slate for them. And you have to play a host of Utah, then you go off on the road to Oregon after that. 
But once you get back from there, you're talking about home game against Stanford, road against an Arizona State team that's going to be rebuilding. And by the way, who knows what's going on with Herm Edwards at that point right there. Then you get to play host Arizona, who I think has some upper mobility here. They're going to be a lot better, and they're going to be a good think bet on team as it goes along. But this schedule is pretty fascinating for UCLA because I don't know how good the Bruins are going to be. But I think there is definitely an opportunity for them to go over their win total here, mainly because of the way the schedule breaks down for them, and they get to take on some of the lesser opponents in conference play, and that's going to set up pretty nicely for them. Again, maybe they're going to be a little bit of an overvalued team racking up a lot of wins against some lesser competition, but still, path is there for UCLA to have nine, potentially ten wins if they take care of business, Uh, but I'm just really intrigued by a team like that that doesn't have a lot of returning production. You see bright spots on the roster, but the schedule sets up so nicely for them they could have a lot of success. And as I mentioned, Arizona, I'd look out for Arizona, man. Uh, Arizona, I think, is going to be a team that is um, going to surprise some people from an ATS standpoint. And I think when you talk about them opening up the year, they're going to be on the road at Snapdragon Stadium against San Diego State. I think the Aztecs uh, might be might be surprised how competitive that game's going to be. Some spots have San Diego State as a five-point favorite in that game to open up the football season on September 3rd. All right, let's take our break here. When we come back, Frank Schwab is going to join us, NFL betting analyst for Yahoo Sports. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Detroit Lions in the NFC North. Uh, I thought the Lions really improved in the offseason. Uh, could they again be a team that went 11-6 and six against the spread last year? We'll talk to Frank when we come back. Slash door. This is the football betting guy with Jonathan Von Tobel. Welcome back. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete for free cash prizes all season long. In our weekly prediction pools, fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 and only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. Please see DraftKings.com for details and drink responsibly. Back here on the Football Betting Guy, getting ready for both the college and pro seasons. We bring in now Frank Schwab of Yahoo Sports. Nice enough to give us some time on this Sunday, a rainy one out here in Las Vegas. Where everybody's going psychotic because they have never seen an inch of rain in their life and they don't know how to drive. Frank, appreciate some time. So I, I wanted to start with uh, the NFC North, and I was actually reading your article about the Detroit Lions, and the Lions are a team that I'm really intrigued by. I, I don't think a lot of people remember how good this team was against the spread last year. They ended up with the third best cover rate. They were 11-6. and six. Uh, Campbell had them fighting the entire year. So now we come to this year. I kind of think that they're a really improved team coming into this season. Would you agree with that sentiment? Oh, absolutely. I, I can see this team making some noise. I've already got an over-ticket punched on them. I just, I love the way they battled last year. Look, they, they started 0-10-1. This, this team should have been by all rights. Looking forward to, hey, when is our tea time? Uh, we're, we're just trying to get out of here. But they played hard until the absolute end. And I respect that. I think that says something about the team and about Dan Campbell, too. They were playing hard for him. You know, and they went 3-3 three and three down the stretch. It's It sounds like, you know, whatever. But when you start 0-10-1, and 1, you, you finish, you know, 3-3. Three and three. And as you mentioned, against the spread, Another, you know, kind of related to that is they were so unlucky in close games. I, you, you rarely see a team with that bad of a record have such a good against the spread record. Because usually, you know, in the NFL, you pick a winner, you're going to cover the spread too. The Lions were really, really unlucky in close games. That turns to me. That's that's one of the key things I look at every offseason. How'd you do in close games? Were, were you a crazy outlier like the Pittsburgh Steelers last year? Well, it usually comes back to 500 because we know... These games are coin flips, and you know the coin ain't going to flip on your side or against you every single time. 
So that I like about the Lions. I like the way their defensive line is improving. I like the Hutchinson pick. There's just a lot to like about the Lions right now. And you're not having to, you know, you don't got to win 12, 13 games here. You got to go about 500 and you're going to cash that ticket. So I'm going to be on them a lot early in the season. Or Like I said, I already got that over ticket punch. Probably going to be on them, to, you know, as a playoffs at, at the right odds. I really do like this Lions team and what they're going to bring to the table this year. And those watching, you can see three of the first four games for the Lions are at home and all winnable games for them as well uh, at home. Eagles, Commanders, and Seahawks. All right, so let's talk. Let's continue down this line then. One of the, I'd say, sexy kind of picks for Coach of the Year has been Dan Campbell. Now, I don't buy it. But it's not because I don't think Dan Campbell's any good. I think we have now seen since 1990, I always bring this up, only one guy has won Coach of the Year winning single-digit games. That was Arians, who was interim coach on an 11-win team. I find it hard that media is going to break from that tradition, but do you think Dan Campbell would be live to win this award? Because he's actually the co-favorite in some spots to do so. That's a really good stat. And Coach of the Year is so weird, and it's across sports, too. Yep. It so rarely goes to the best coach. It's <laughs> Bill Belichick rarely wins it. You know, I mean, it's Mike Krzyzewski rarely won ACC Coach of the Year. You know, it's going to Josh Pastner instead. So stuff like it, it's so hard to handicap Coach of the Year because it's always the team that exceeds its preseason expectations the most. And we in the media, we don't want to admit, oh, maybe we were wrong on the expectations. No, it must have been a genius coaching <laughs> job, right? Like so, somebody came out of nowhere and was Vince Lombardi for a year. That's why Matt Nagy wins, you know? So it's really, really hard to handicap this. The guy who I've looked at is McDermott. I, I think that, you know, I, you got it up on the screen there at 18 to 1. He was he was 30 to 1 earlier in the offseason when I took him because I could see the Bills having – Again, one of those 15-win type of years. You talk about you know record in close games. They were 0-6 last year in close games. That's going to turn around. They're going to be really good this year. But I understand the argument for Dan Campbell, too. Like It's a, it's a great stat you pointed out. They're going to have to be really good in a playoff mix and all that. So he probably ends up just a bit short. A hard, hard award to handicap, but... I could understand the uh, I could understand the argument for Campbell, but I, my my tickets already punched on McDermott for that. All right, so let's stay here now. The team that I am the most high on this, and I will say uh, that I have been burned by them last year. Uh, I took them at about like forty to one and around week six to win the NFC. I see lots of good things for Minnesota. Uh, I, I like Kirk Cousins. Statistically, he's a very good quarterback. He was last year. I think when you talk about O'Connell coming now, you're going to see a different look for this offense. You're not going to see stuck-in-the-mud, old-school Mike Zimmer anymore talking every day how much he hates Kirk Cousins. It's going to be a much different environment. I, I'm really high on Minnesota, Like not only just to go over their win total. I think there is a shot they could win this division, but where are you at with Minnesota? Am I too high for my expectations for Cousins and the Vikings? No, I can completely see it. Kirk Cousins gets banged on so much. Yep. And if you look at his stats, you look at him. He's a good quarterback. Is he great? No. But people want you to believe that he's just dragging the Vikings down. And he's the least of their problems. They needed some new blood. They needed a new voice. Zimmer is not a bad coach. He had a good record. But it was obvious that there was just some disconnect between the roster and this coaching staff. They just weren't winning. And now I don't know who Kevin O'Connell is as a head coach. None of us do. It could be Bill Walsh, it could be Ben McAdoo. We have no idea where he falls in that spectrum. But I understand being positive about it, being optimistic and saying maybe there's just a new voice in there, some new ideas. Their offense is going to look much different. Their pieces are in place. Justin Jefferson might be the best receiver of football. Delvin Cook's incredible. They, you know, Thielen's still there. KJ Osborne, Irv Smith. They got a lot of dudes on offense. And I think with the right coordinator, they could really explode. So I, I totally get it. One of my one of my favorite plays of the offseason has been Vikings week one at home against the Packers. They always play the Packers well in Minnesota. I think they're going to surprise the Packers a little bit. So, yeah, I think the Vikings are totally live this season. It could go either way, but, you know, I, I, get, I totally understand saying I'm going to pick a lane here. I'm going to let the Vikings be in a lot better with a new voice. I, I really respect that play, and I think it could, it could pay off big because I think the Vikings – 
could be one of those teams to just make a big jump. By the way, for those out there, too, one of the things we talked about the other day, Kevin O'Connell is coach of the year, an alternate way to support the Vikings. If you want to look mm-hmm. in that direction, they win 10-plus games. He's about 20-25 to 1 to win the award, depending on where you shop. Frank Schwab with us from Yahoo Sports. All right, so let's talk about Green Bay then. And it's fine. I think Green Bay and Kansas City, we could throw Baltimore in there. These teams kind of mirror one another because we look at their wide receiver rooms. We're like, all right, like what's going on here? But I think Green Bay, really, you're looking around and you're like, okay, like, how much better is Aaron Rodgers going to make this? And we get the news, too, right? Christian Watson decides to have the knee scope. Sounds like he'll be fine by the time the regular season starts, but not really great when you're trying to break it into a receiver room. How much does that hold them back? Because I believe in them defensively, and I believe in Aaron Rodgers, but receivers are becoming more impactful in today's football. It's a really weirdly constructed team. I, I guess the positive here, – here's the optimistic view of the Green Bay Packers is they have two stud running backs. They're, they're going to be able to run the ball now. The defense, like you said, on paper, fantastic. They've really added to it, added the two first-round picks to it. So if you're a run, you know, grinded out offensive team, your defense first team that's top 10 defense, your MVP quarterback's going to make the receivers better. He just is. Like, I, do I have the biggest trust in the world in Alan Lazard? No, not really, or Romeo Dubs, or whoever it's going to be. But Aaron Rodgers is going to make him good. It's not like Aaron Rodgers is going to throw for... 12 touchdowns this year. He's going to have those plays in his back pocket. And I think the best comp I came up with, it's almost like the 97, 98 Broncos for for people old enough to remember them. John Elway wasn't driving that bus. It was Terrell Davis. And and they played good opportunistic defense. They ran the ball really, really well. And when they needed a big play, Elway was there. And the same kind of thing I can see for the Packers where they're going to run it well, go play great defense. And if it's third and 10, well, you got two-time defending MVP quarterback. He's going to help you make those plays. So I'm not really down on the Packers. They were due for some regression. I don't, I'm not taking the over on their wins or anything like that because, again, they were going to come back a little bit from, I believe they had 13 wins last year. But I, I, could, I could understand why they're favored here. And again, maybe Minnesota has that big breakout. Maybe Detroit just takes leaps and bounds. But do I really trust them to be better than the Packers this year? No, not really. Not yet. I, I don't, I'm not quite there with either of those teams. Definitely not the Bears. So still think Packers win the division. And then we'll see. Hey, maybe this roster construct is a little bit better for January in Lambeau Field when yep. you can run the ball a little bit more. So last one, and you kind of alluded to it there. So I've got three win total bets. One, I'm looking to potentially add a fourth, and that would be under on Chicago. It, it, how bad is this going to get for the Bears? Because I think when you like, we were talking about Tevin Jenkins, the news that he's already at odds with the new coaching staff. He's missed the last couple of practices for Chicago. The offensive line last year, Fields pressured on 42% of his drop packs. Like, it's really bad. How bad does this get for the Bears? Because six and a half, like, we're talking seven and ten. I don't see that with the current roster. I don't either. I just don't like what they did in the offseason. I get like each individual move they did made sense in a vacuum, but they did mm-hmm. nothing to help Justin Fields. Nothing. They're leaving this kid out to dry. I don't think that's a good formula for success. I did. I, I took the Bears earlier this offseason to finish last in the NFC North. Those odds have changed a lot. I, I just took them to finish with the fewest wins in football because the odds are there. It's, I yep. think, 13 to 1 right now. It's possible. You can see the wheels really coming off this Bears team. They're going to be bad. They're going to be, I think, easily last place in this division. I just don't like. I just don't like anything they did in the offseason. Again, they could have gone out and, and spent on the offensive line. They could have gotten a number one receiver. They just got stood pat. It's a worse offense than last year. You can also get them to be the lowest scoring team in the NFL. I don't think that's a bad play either because this offense is going to be bad. The defense, not no Khalil Mack anymore. It's not a great defense. It's going to be a bad season for Chicago Bears. This rebuild is going to take some time. Yeah, it's a tough schedule. For a team power-rated as they, like they are, it's a tough schedule as well. It's a really yeah. tough schedule mm-hmm. for them. All right, Frank. Hey, we're up against it, but appreciate it, especially on a Sunday, man. Thank you very much. Enjoy your work. So I really appreciate you coming on. 
Absolutely, I appreciate it. You got it. Frank Schwab again, Yahoo Sports. Make sure you check out all those works and the team previews for every single one of them. They're up at great reads as well. Again, and if you're a millennial like me with a short attention span, right at the top tells you how long it's going to take to read it. it. They are fantastic reads, so make sure you check them out. All right, when we come back, talked a little bit about futures with Frank. Well, let's talk about some futures that I got in pocket, both college and pro, uh, when it comes to the football season. Cannot wait. Got three win totals. Looking to potentially add one more with the Chicago Bears. We can kind of talk out here a little bit more when we come back. Some offensive rookie of the year plays, conference title in college football, and more. That'll be when we come back. And don't forget, second hour, we got a lot going on, including Will Hill, who's going to join us at the top, get held his football futures when we are back here on the Football Betting Guy. is the football betting guy with Jonathan Von Tobel. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house and I screamed... <laughs> Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Remember that the College Football Guide is out now, and the Pro Football Guide's coming soon. How about that? I was handed my assignment last week. AFC North, AFC East. I get to preview this year, but no better way to prepare for the college and pro football seasons than our betting guides. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Reserve your copy of the Football Betting Guides today. Get access to everything we offer for the entire football season with the VEASAN All-Access subscription. Make this football season your best ever. Subscribe now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. It's the Football Betting Guide here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Um, yeah, I can't wait to start getting into that a little bit more for those uh, football guides and the, the pro football guides because there is a lot to get to with some of those teams. For example, you know, I saw Warren Sharp tweeting about this today, and it's something that it was a topic that I had brought up last year, uh, but ultimately when the Bills kept winning games, it kind of looked more like a hater than anything else. Uh, but when you evaluate Buffalo's schedule and their opponents, level quarterback, all that kind of stuff, you really poke some holes in at least the the dominance of that team, specifically defensively and whatnot. And their schedule gets a lot tougher this year. Not to say that they're in any danger, I think, of losing out that division because I think the division below them gets a little bit, shouldn't say worse because the Dolphins have a really good roster. I think the Patriots get worse, obviously. We'll get to that momentarily, but... The Bills are a pretty fascinating team after that 11-6 and six year because their schedule strength ratchets up. And uh, by the way, we opened up with the news today that we're going to get a final verdict on Deshaun Watson and what the suspension is going to be like. Uh, week 11, circle that. Because the Buffalo Bills, I'm sure, will be tuning in tomorrow to see exactly what in the world is going on with Deshaun Watson um, and if he'll be available in that game. Win total, by the way, for the Buffalo Bills here, 12. 
shaded to the under at minus 135. So I wanted to build a little bit on what we were talking about. It's going to tie in nicely with uh, the futures that I've had here that I wanted to discuss. Uh, but as I mentioned with Frank, right, three win totals for me in the National Football League up to this point, and the fourth that I am very much contemplating uh, to bet here would be the Chicago Bears. Now, here at Circa, there is no hook on the win total. You can bet them under six at plus 105, something that I think I'd be willing to do because, and I think Frank said it really well, and you see other spots, six and a half shaded to the under minus 150, where when you look at Chicago and their offseason and what they did do, there was not much in terms of helping out Justin Fields. The Bills are a really good example. You know, at the beginning of Josh Allen's career with Buffalo, their offensive line was atrocious. And so what they do, they didn't go out and like sign stud offensive linemen. What they did was they just threw bodies at the problem. They had an offseason where they signed, I think, I think I remember correctly, like five or six offensive linemen. And all of a sudden, their offensive line has just become average to slightly above average. But again, it just it helps Josh Allen out. I think when you evaluate Chicago and what they did this year in the offseason, I agree with Frank. I don't think they did anything to help out him in any way, shape, or form. You already get the reports now, as we talked about, with the headbutting with their one of their prized offensive linemen, which, by the way, uh, when you look at some of the numbers behind Jenkins, uh, it actually wasn't really that great. When you talk about 54.6 PFF blocking grade, pass blocking grade, 11 pressures on 117 snaps, it wasn't the best year for him. So, again, there's talent there, but it might not be that great. But look at that schedule for a team that is rate that is going to be rated as one of the worst teams I think in the NFL this coming season. When you're talking about opening up the season, back-to-back games, home against the 49ers, you're a six and a half point underdog on the road against the Green Bay Packers, coming back home, sure, winnable game against the Texans potentially, but that's a coin flip spot given that you and the Texans are power rated very similarly. And then look at the way the schedule goes for the rest of that. At the Giants, at the Vikings, home against the Commanders, at the Patriots, at the Cowboys, home against the Dolphins, home against the Lions, just from week five through ten. It would not be astonishing to see that team lose each of those games, maybe steal one of them. And then again, yes, you have a coin flip spot against the Jets, and home field isn't worth that much, but it's on the road. you got to take on the Packers one more time before you're by. And the way that year ends, Eagles, Bills, Lions, Vikings, it's a schedule for a team in where they are from a power, where they are at from a power rating perspective that has a lot of losses on it. And again, I don't know if Justin Fields is bad. I just think that this kid is not given any of the tools to be successful this year, and that's going to be a problem. If he's going to get pressured again on over 40% of his drop packs, this offensive line doesn't look any better on paper. The weapons aren't really incredible. This, this has the makings for a really tough year for Chicago and a tough start to the career for Justin Fields. We see this all the times when teams refuse to kind of invest in protecting their guy. Then all of a sudden things go south and the careers go south as well. So hopefully Fields gets a fair ba- a fair, like crack at it but it doesn't seem Chicago is doing it. So haven't added that yet because, again, you can get six plus 105 to the under here. So shopping around and weighing the options, but I do think that this is a team that, as Schwab mentioned too, and as we kind of talked about before we got to them, could very much be in the running for worst record in the National Football League when all is said and done at the end of the season. So with that, let's talk a little bit about some of the futures uh, that I've got up to this point, both college and pro. And there's a little bit more of a skew here uh, toward the professional ranks. And, um, Actually, it's all professional, but there is some other college stuff that we have added, just not on the screen. Uh, But first off, and I think I've gone over this here on this show, uh, to reiterate, though, three win totals in pocket up to this point. 
under 10 for the San Francisco 49ers laying a buck 20. Patriots under 8.5 at even money. And the Giants over 7 at plus 105. I do think the Giants, when you look at it, again, evaluating their schedule from a win strength standpoint from last year, not the way to do it. From a win total standpoint, they have the easiest schedule in the National Football League. Very much something that you can look at. Now, Offensive Rookie of the Year, I think I'm really fascinated by this race. And I, I love the two tickets I've got here. And I do think that both are very much worth investing in. So, Sky Moore here at Circa it was the other day, so we had to double check and see if that's still the case. But fourteen to one to an offensive rookie of the year, and really, if you're talking about like a mid-range shot, Rashad White to win rookie of the year, the running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think his case gets a little bit stronger as the days go along. The reports coming out of Tampa Bay are that he has impressed, and a lot of people in that uh, that building really like what Rashad White brings to the table. He's got an opportunity in front of him because Leonard Fournette came into camp a little bit overweight. I remember the report was 260. He came into camp, I think the reported weight was 247, somewhere in that range. But it's also because that price is a little off market. Circa here, for example, has Rashad White to an offense rookie of the year at 22 to 1. Bet MGM, which is where that 40 to 1 was in other spots, you can find White at 40 to 1. And I think that's a number very much worth looking at for a guy who, by all accounts, is turning a lot of heads in camp, is at a position where he's got some upward mobility already listed as second, and he does a little bit more than the guy listed in front of him in Leonard Fournette, who came into camp and soured some people uh, because of the way he came into camp in terms of the way that he's taking care of his body. And on top of that, when you talk about the weakness of Tampa Bay now all of a sudden being the interior of this offensive line, there's going to be a lot of opportunities for a back who's pretty athletic who can come out of the backfield, catch some passes, and make some stuff happen. Tom Brady loves him, a guy like that. And I think Rashad White could be all of those things. So I'm really intrigued by White, especially when you're talking about that price at 40 to 1. And Sky Moore speaks for itself. Kansas City as a whole needs help at wide receiver. Yes, they have names that are familiar to us. You have McCole Hardman. You have Marcus Valdez-Scantling. You have Juju Smith-Schuster. But again, as you read some reports at a camp and you read some, what some people think about Sky Moore, there's an opportunity that Sky Moore here could come into this and be second-leading receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs, somewhere in that range, that's going to be something that's really important for a team that's looking to replace the impact of Tyree Kill. And again, it's always important. Like you're seeing here, offense rookie of the year odds, Sky Moore 10 to 1. Shop around. Shop around at these different markets because they all have different thoughts. The liability changes around a lot as well. And it's something that, of course, you as better should know at this point. But having these multiple accounts, it only helps you out when it comes to that. But again, Rashad White, Sky Moore, those two. Now, the homer pick there, Indianapolis Colts at 30 to 1, was right before they got Matt Ryan. When the rumbling started to get strong, I just grabbed him because think, hey, you know what? They might drop to like 20 to 1 or so. And that's kind of been the case. Some spots at 22 to 1. They're the odds on favor to win their division. I think the one thing I actually like about Indianapolis doesn't focus on their offense so much. It's, I think, Quiddy Pay, their second year defensive player, the defensive end, has some real growth to be had. If you look at some of his numbers, whether it's pressure rate, whether it's just his like grading from a PFF standpoint, I think he is a very he was a very good player for them last year, and he's going to be really good for them this year. And if he and if he emerges as a really solid individual pass rusher in this new defensive scheme for the Indianapolis Colts, well, all of a sudden Yannick Ngakwe becomes a little bit more valuable as a pass rusher. DeForest Buckner is already one of the better interior defensive linemen in the NFL. Everybody talks about the Colts from an offensive standpoint, but I think defensively. That front seven, specifically that defensive line and the edges, I think is a really good opportunity to be extremely impactful for Indianapolis, lead them to a division win, and ultimately get some wins to potentially make it to a Super Bowl. Now, I was also jaded because last year had a great ticket on him at about 40-1 to 1 to win the conference, and that was after they went on a little bit of a run in the regular season. Market freaked out, cut him back down to 16-1, to 1, felt great, but then Carson Wentz happened in the last year of the regular season. 
And then the last one, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago here, but Fresno State, you can get them here at Circa at 3-1. to one. Other spots are a little bit shorter than that, 240, uh, 250. But the 3-1 to one price tag is worth grabbing there on Fresno State, the Bulldogs, to win the Mountain West title, a team that I believe to be the best team in the Mountain West. If you look at them, you evaluate their schedule, a battle-tested squad who gets a new head coach but who had led them prior from years past. I think when you're looking at a price tag of 3-1, to one, hell, even Air Force you can find in some spots at plus 450. I would recommend that as well because the Air Force Falcons got a lot coming back on offense, a historic offense at that and how good they were last year. Fresno State and Air Force are the two teams that I'd rather have to win the Mountain West title than Boise State, which I think is a very fragile favorite with really subpar quarterback play and Hank Bachmeyer coming back for a Broncos team that barely averaged about 22, 23 points per game a season ago. So we got a few futures in the pocket. I'm going to add a couple of more. Like we talked about Chicago, I think, underneath that win total. Definitely worth something looking at here and different ways to attack and under the six and a half and lay a price or take under six and get a small plus price depending on where you look. All right, second hour of the football betting guide. William Hill is going to be with us. Teased this a little bit earlier. I'm high on the Colts. I think they're going to win that division. I think they're an odds-on favor for a reason. Will's taking a shot at somebody else. It's not them. It's not Tennessee. I'll tell you who that is when Will joins us next here on the Football Betting Guide. This is VSIN, the sports betting network. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 